1: The Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions! It's not a dream! It's not a desert mirage. It's Lord Stanley, and he is coming to Washington!
0: Welcome back to Jay Radio. I'm your host, Rug Young. And today we have, we had just talked about this before, Samantha Powell. I think you're now officially a friend of the podcast. I don't i don't really <laughs> know if there's a criteria or not for that, but I've created one and you are one now. So congratulations. Uh, how are you doing today?
1: You know, I'm doing good. Capital's um, training camp, obviously in full go mode here. Looks like opening our roster is shaping up. So yeah, I'm excited for hockey this week.
0: Yeah. So you've been now in training camp for a while. And it's to me, I don't, I don't, I guess for you, you've been preparing this for longer than I have, but I remember waking up this morning and realizing, Oh wow. Hockey's on Wednesday. That seems really soon. Um, I I guess like thinking about it from a team perspective though, obviously this has been a very expedited camp. And on top of that, you compound, you compound the pressures of having a new head coach into all of that. So how is the team in your opinion, adjusting so far to the really quick start and, uh, needing to learn a new system on the
1: fly. Yeah, you know, I definitely think the first day just watching guys, it definitely looked like a learning period, you know, Laviolette's out there using the whiteboard a lot, trying to explain his whole system to guys, you know, you can tell that the, you know, different routines are a little bit different where, you know, the capitals used to stretch um, at the very end of practice. Now it's kind of right after they do some lines, they stretch um, and then they kind of go about their day in practice. So a lot of different little routines here and there, a little bit different, you know, systems, it's a lot of learning, but I think overall, I mean, these guys are professionals. It's every system's a variation in and of itself. The NHL is such a coffee cat league um, that everyone's kind of seen this here or there. So I don't think anything's a huge, huge surprise for these guys, but definitely it's going to take some time for everyone to understand their roles um, in this lineup and exactly how they fit in.
0: Yeah. So I have a list of questions that are sequentially ordered, but of course news happened today. And, uh, that news is waiver wire time. Uh, mm-hmm. So the Capitals have announced that they have put Daniel Carr, Zach Bukali, Shane Gersich, Lucas Johansson, Paul Ledoux, uh, Cam Schilling, Mike Scarbosa, Philip Millette, and Phoenix Copley on waiver. Uh, when you saw those names, any surprises, any, anyone really stand out to you?
1: Yeah, you know, I think overall no surprises just in terms of everyone has to go through the waiver wire to get to the taxi squad. Um, if they're, you know, if they're not waiver exempt. So I think some of those guys we could definitely see on the taxi squad. Um, some of those I think are just going to go straight down to Hershey probably. So mm-hmm. I think none jumped out right away. I think Copley was probably the biggest name of that group just because we've talked so much about the Capitals goaltending situation. And then, you know, today, Monday, LaViolette kind of announced that it's going to be Elias Samsonov, uh, Vitek Banachek as the one-two to start the season. And, you know, Craig Anderson, I believe LaViolette used the words of is kind of going to be involved or you know he's basically going to be used Just typical big coach right you know?
0: yeah yeah
1: it was a, he's going to be a part of it was the exact quote so <laughs> that to me that sounds like Craig Anderson's go, gonna go on the taxi squad you know he's on a PTO so he's gonna either have to sign um and then go through the waiver wire again to reach the taxi squad um or maybe they don't sign him. and Phoenix Coughley is that three um on the taxi squad but just all things considered, it seems like Anderson's going to go on the taxi squad. Copley looks like he's going to head back to Hershey. Um, but yeah, overall, no surprises. I think uh, I think the team pretty much knows what they're going to do with the taxi squad. They're just waiting for things to be official.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of curious because it seemed like an interesting decision to go with Vitek Vandacek over Phoenix Copley, but it seemed like once Henrik Lundqvist was, was announced that he wasn't going to be a part of the team, that it it always seemed like it was going to be Vtech. So do you think that that was, I mean, it doesn't seem like that much of a surprise, at least today, but that does at least given that Copley has a lot more NHL experience than, than uh, VTech. That's, that's kind of interesting that they would have picked VTech over Copley, huh?
1: Yeah, you know, I think, so I think overall the organization felt really strongly, you know, once the capital season ended in Toronto, you know, in the postseason that they were comfortable going with the Ilya Sansonov, um, vitek Vanishek combo headed into this year. Everyone felt pretty good um, about those chances. They felt like Vanichek deserved an opportunity, and they're honestly pretty comfortable, from what I've been told, about moving forward without bringing another goal. Then you go ahead, Henrik Lundqvist <laughs> is on the market, and you can't pass that up, right? I think Brian McClellan made a really good call to try to go out and get him. You know, obviously things don't work out, and he discovers he has a heart condition. He can't play this year, and you know, all the best to him. But I think even before that, Capitals were comfortable. After losing Lundqvist, the Capitals were still comfortable. Um, You know, obviously they bring in Craig Anderson on a PTO. That kind of shakes a little things up. Um, But overall, yeah, I think we've kind of just shown that the Capitals were confident in what they had. And in terms of, you know, Vanacek over Copley, I just think Vanacek getting that backup opportunity in the bubble um, to back up Braden Holpe over Copley, I think, said a lot. I yeah. think that was kind of a, okay, this is a clear depth chart now. It's going to go Braden, Elia, Vanacek, Coughley, and Coughley's kind of finding himself at the bottom here. Um, but obviously, you know, he's the guy that trains really well in the offseason. He's big into work ethic. You know, coaches love that grind it out ment- like mentality. Um, the Vanacek, I think, definitely got the edge here just just from the beginning. Yeah.
0: And, uh, all right, well, let's kind of just dive right into the capital from the start. So, from the top down, I guess. So I, you've now been uh, seen a little bit of a Peter LaViolette training camp, and you've now c- contrasted that with a couple of years under Todd Reardon. So I guess kind of what looks different and what looks the same between the two?
1: Yeah, I definitely think just systems wise, again, kind of like I said earlier, it's a little bit of a variation, um, but definitely the defensemen are being used a little bit differently in the offensive zone um they seem to be way more involved you know I think last year with Todd we saw the demon kind of creep down from the blue line they were kind of being used more in that five-man unit and I think Laviolette's trying to do the same in this system um but it's definitely more of trying to be involved it's more fast-paced definitely a lot a lot of skating so I think guys like a Jacob Berana or a Richard Ponick would probably benefit a lot from the system of just going up and down I think a Dimitri Orlov and a Nick Jensen also probably benefit a lot from the system just in the way that they're going to be used and the scoring opportunities and how defensemen will be, you know, just put in that offensive zone and I guess, you know, able to operate really, um, obviously the capitals have been known to be a good, you know, scoring on the, off the rush team. That's not going to change, but Laviolette and his system, I think helps the capitals set up more (laughs) in the offensive zone, you know, when they don't score off the rush, like they normally do. And maybe we're going to see some more, um, cohesiveness, consistency um, in that zone, maybe prolonged, you know, zone time, you're thinking of 40, 50 second type deal. So I think that's probably the biggest change. I think we've seen just right off the bat of this system, but I mean, the caps are built to play fast, to play heavy. Obviously you have a lot of veteran guys, but I think a lot of these players, it really benefits them and their system.
0: Yeah. So I, you mentioned the blue line and I like, I think basically everyone else is really fascinated by how the blue line is <laughs> going to play out. Uh, but I want to, I'm not actually going to start though with the cap signing of the O'Chara because the thing I'm really excited about the most is it seems like that Dmitri Orlov and John Carlson are going to play together on a top pair. <laughs> At least it seems like that's the way this is leaning. So I guess kind of talk about what you think that pairing brings and maybe what are some of the kind of downstream lineup effects of playing those two together?
1: Yeah, I think that was definitely one of the biggest takeaways from the first day of camp was, oh, Carlson Orlov top pairing. This will be interesting, but I I definitely think, you know, overall, I mean, just with the people and the players that have been in this organization and on the blue line, I'm not sure if the luxury of having a Carlson Orlov on the top pairing was ever actually viable. Um, I think you needed Orlov on that second pairing to try to, you know, balance anything out kind of anchor um, it,
0: yeah <laughs> yeah yeah
1: you know just make sure everything's okay um and now you know with a Brendan Dillon with a Justin Schultz I think the team really feels comfortable with them as a heart. you know a second pairing obviously Kevin McCarthy is really into his left right pairings so everything kind of works out from that standpoint they've kind of evened out the left right guys adding Achara um you have you know Nick Jensen on that other side with him you have a Siegenthaler who can play both sides actually. So he's kind of a luxury in that sense, even though it looks like he'll be an extra um headed into that. But definitely, you know, Carlson and Orlev. I think we haven't really seen it a lot um in Washington, again, just because of the personnel that they've had. But I think moving forward, it's gonna be one of those big question marks where it could it could be very good. Um but <laughs> I think at times, since we just haven't seen it a lot, I think it could be very interesting. Yeah. So definitely I would say that's. That's one to watch moving forward, but I think that second pairing with Dylan and Schultz, at least I'm really excited to watch um, and see how that turns out, just because Brendan Dylan seems to always be on one gear, and it's high gear at every second, um, even in scrimmages, and you add that with a Justin Schultz, who's very offensive, who, you know, can use his body well, is probably one of the best skaters in camp, so yeah, I'm really excited about that pairing.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I, I'm kind of curious your thoughts on Justin Schultz, because it's almost like kind of the forgotten signing in a weird yes. way. Cause we talk about yes. <laughs> Lundquist, we talk about Shara, you get con- getting Connor Sherry from the penguins drew up some buzz. <laughs> but I'm kind of curious with Justin Schultz because I, I know I had Mike up Lake McCurdy on who was a little down on the signing, but I'm kind of curious. How is he how has he looked in camp so far?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think like one of the first days of the camp, um, I was watching him skate and I was talking with Car Calbashir with the Athletic we were just saying like how much of a good skater he is. You just kind of notice him instantly when he's on the ice. Um, He's a little bit bigger than I thought, just in terms of like how big he is compared to like a Dylan. It's kind of a similar thing. So I'm really excited to see kind of how that goes. Um, You're kind of right. He is kind of that forgotten signing um, there on the blue line, but I think he's a really good addition. He's going to be on the second unit power play for the Capitals. So that'll be another. Basically another interesting tweak that the Caps will try to do with their power play unit this season. Obviously it digressed last season and wasn't, you know, up to par, but this year, you know, it's, it looks like a Schultz Orlov on the second power play unit with a Jacob Barana, Tom Wilson and a Richard Ponick. So a little bit different personnel there and how guys will be used, but I think he's a good add to the team and uh, we're just going to see how it goes.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I, I know that, uh, and I, I will talk about Zayno Chara now, but I know that we <laughs> talked about Chara a lot. That's kind of been a popular topic of discussion, but at least to me, Justin Schultz is going to be maybe one of the keys because of all the off-season acquisitions. Him and Dylan are probably going to be the ones playing the most. But that that said, I mean, this is a Washington Capitals podcast and I have to talk about Zayno Chara <laughs> being on the Capitals roster. Uh, that's, uh, I mean, okay. First off, I have to ask, I have never actually seen Zidane O'Chara play in person. Is he just as big as you would think he is on TV? Like, what is that <laughs> like, like, like just to see him? And then also, what does he? What do you think he does bring to the Washington Capitals roster?
1: Yeah, I mean, right off the bat, like, I, I know 6'9 is tall, right? In my head, <laughs> I'm like, I'm 5'5. I know 6'9 is tall. But seeing Chara 6'9 on skates at MedStar is kind of wild. Um, he's definitely a lot taller in person. (laughs) When you look at him, you know, when you compare him to when he's on a scrimmage, you know, next to like a Joe Snively or a Philip Millay, like he just is so much, his stick. Like twice their (laughs) size. Yeah. Like the height of his stick is taller than these guys. So it's definitely (laughs) kind of crazy to, you know, compare and look and like, you know, we can talk all about, you know, his height and all of that and his age, but I definitely think what he brings to this room is definitely that leadership quality. I mean, he came in, he said that he knows that it's Alex's team. It's Peter's team. He's not gonna come in here and step on toes. But I think what he brings, that additional leadership, that additional experience to the blue line is pretty irreplaceable. And for him to be, you know, a 14-year captain in Boston and then come here to a team already stacked with leadership, I think that's such a good call by, you know, Brian McClellan. I think at first it probably shocked a lot of people. Um, people didn't really know what to make of it. But now looking at it, I think it just adds another layer to this blue line. And honestly, for this guy to get him for what they got, just above minimum, that's really good. So yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, you'll you'll take it any day. I mean, it's Anosha. Um, so I, I want to ask about: um, Do you think there's kind of an odd man out? Like, how do you think the Caps are approaching having really what looks like I'm I'm on their roster right now? It looks like they have as many as five players. I think that could fit pretty neatly into the, into that bottom pair. How do you think the Caps are going to treat and cycle players in and out? Or do you think they just won't cycle players
1: in and out? Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting because Laviolette's kind of reiterated this a couple times now that he really feels like the taxi squad is going to be re- relied on heavily this season, which, um, you know, signals to me that's going to be interesting to which defensemen actually end up on the taxi squad versus which actually end up on the active roster, right? So, I'm pretty sure eight defensemen are going to be on the active roster. You know, you have a Carlson-Orlov top pair, a Dylan Schultz second pairing, and then it seems to me it's going to be a Chara-Nick Jensen at least to start the season on the third pair. Um, It looks like a Jonas Siegenthaler and Trevor Van Riemstijk are going to be the extras on D, and they'll carry 8D on the active roster. Um, So I think with Siegenthaler, Maybe he gets it some time if Chara wants to lighten his workload. I know Chara, you know, wants to play every single game. Um, That's one of the reasons why he came to Washington and didn't stay in Boston in a reserve role. But I think if they want to lighten his load, if they want to give him, you know, a night off or something like that, um, Stingenthaler seems to be a guy that rotates in how many games he gets. I'm not exactly sure. But I think overall, I mean, we're in kind of weird times, right? It's coronavirus. Who knows with protocols? Who knows with injuries? the capital's blue line has suffered, you know, quite a few injuries <laughs> over <Yeah>. the years. <laughs> so, I mean, Michael Kempney is, you know, an LTIR. So I think they're going to need as many bodies as sure. they can get on the blue line. And just with the workload, basically playing every other day, um, I, it's hard to say that seeing dollar won't get time this season or a TBR won't get time.
0: Sure. Um, and then I, 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 I promise I only have one more question about the blue line and then we'll, we'll take a quick break. Um, uh, but I want to ask about Kevin Parker because that's a, a hire that I think was interesting in two senses. One, obviously a new coach, kind of new philosophy and everything like that. But two, I mean, you look at a Dimitri Arlov and John Carlson, they've been playing as with Todd Reardon as a coach for almost their entire Capitals career. Really, I think for the last seven, eight years, they had had Todd Reardon as a coach in some capacity. So what do you think that change from Reardon to McCarthy really is going to bring?
1: Yeah, I think it's going to bring up probably, I don't want to say like a lot more creativity, but I think it's just probably a different way of thinking, right? When you're under one coach for the amount of time that a lot of these guys were in, especially at John Carlson, I'm sure McCarthy brings new ideas to the table. You know, they've already kind of talked about how systematically the D-men are going to be used a little bit differently than under, you know, Todd and Barry. So I think it's going to be good for this team. Even, you know, Tom Wilson said the other day that he felt like this kind of feels like a whole new team. Um, he feels like the team kind of needed a reset after the last two years, you know, in their postseason losses. And now, with, you know, these new faces, new coaches, it just seems like overall it's I don't want to say like good vibes, but like it's good vibes <laughs> um, in that room. I, I really do think that applies to like the defense Um having McCarthy there, obviously longtime assistant to LaViolette. So he knows what he likes. He has the left, right pairings. Um, Kevin McCarthy is very big into kind of positive reinforcement, kind of being that guy who won't point out all of the negative things that you just did on the ice, but focuses on the positive, what you did right on that shift versus what you did wrong. Um, So I think that's going to probably help a lot of guys' confidence. I think, you know, a guy like Nick Jensen, who was up and down last season, he kind of ended on a high note in the playoffs. That's probably where he played his best hockey. Um, I think having a Kevin McCarthy there for him is probably a good thing. Um, It's kind of someone who can boost that confidence more and more so i think overall it's pretty good for the capitals and we'll see kind of the little tweaks that it brings but initially i like that and i think it's probably a change for the better
0: yeah all right well with that we're going to take a quick break and then on the other side uh this is a washington capitals podcast so i will be asking samantha about Alex Ovechkin. i promise uh and i'll have i have a couple of other questions for her so uh stay tuned Welcome back to Japers Rank Radio, still here with friend of the pod, Samantha Pell, Washington Post beat writer for the Washington Capitals. And Samantha, we've, we've talked, uh, we've been in this podcast now for a little bit, and uh, I, I do need to ask, how's, how's Ovechkin looking? And on top of that, who do we think is going to play with? Because it seems like he's, at the start of the camp, that he was paired with Evgeny Kuznetsov, but since then he's been switched to Nicholas Backstrom. So kind of, what, what's your read on that?
1: Yeah, you know, I think it's super interesting because Peter Laviolette kind of came in here and he said he didn't really want to tinker too much with things right off the bat because he felt like, you know, there's such a limited time in camp that he just wanted to kind of set things, move on, and then we'll tweak it as he goes. And you know, he kind of said that he obviously knows that Ovechkin can play with a Backstrom and Oshie he's seen in the past. I think he just wanted to see it kind of again. But to me, it seems like Ovechkin's more naturally fit with the Kuznetsov-Wilson line. It just seems like that brings a little bit more speed uh, to his game. Probably, probably opens up things more with Tom Wilson there on the right. But I think overall, Laviola just wants to kind of play around with these pairings, see who works best with who. Um, Maybe that changes, you know, after the first game in Buffalo, if things work out or if things don't work out. But I would say, you know, wherever Ovechkin lands, whether it's on the Kuznetsov line or on the Backstrom line, I think he's going to be fine. I mean, probably the first couple of days of camp, I think he scored some goal and one of the drills that the Caps play basically every day in camp. And he basically celebrated like it was his 700th goal again. Um, He's just having fun, I think. And I mean, he looks ready. Like, I think everyone's just excited for the season to start. And he's definitely one of those guys that's just ready for hockey. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, Ovechkin obviously is the heart and soul of the team, but I think you probably argue that maybe the most important player on the, of the year is going to be Ilya Samsonov, and I want to ask about him. So this seems like it's Samsonov's net at this point. I know I asked about the backup goaltending situation in the first part of the podcast, which maybe not great podcasting, but I'm going to <laughs> ask now about Samsonov. Uh, how does he look, and how does the team feel about him maybe starting a high percent of the game, kind of given the uncertainty of the backup uh, situation?
1: Yeah, you know, the team's were pretty confident. I mean, pretty confident. They're really confident in Samsonov and what he can do in net. Obviously, they know that he's young or he's on the younger side, but um, just experience-wise, they felt like he had a really good showing last year. Obviously, his rookie season um, started off with a really good start, maybe kind of cooled off there towards the end and obviously couldn't, you know, perform in the postseason uh, because of the offseason injury in Russia. But I think overall, the team's confident in what he can do. You know, he's still learning, but... You know, even like we talked about with like a Tech Vanacek who has zero, you know, NHL game experience, the only way to get these guys experience is to put them out there. Yeah. Um, so why not now is kind of the the overall sentiment. They feel like both of these guys deserve their shot and they're going to get this season. And I think with all these back-to-back games, it's going to be super interesting to see how they kind of break up how many games Sam gets versus a Vanacek. Maybe another goalie comes in. Who knows? It's going to be a crazy season anyway but sure. I think overall Samsonov's confident in himself he feels like he's 100 healthy again um he feels ready obviously he's never gone through a full-time starting role like this so it's hard to judge how he's going to handle it you know midway through the season but I think it's just going to be a touch and go situation and let's see how he does the first couple weeks and then move on from there
0: yeah so um kind of kind of Zooming out just a little bit here. Uh I want to ask about the third line and uh Luke Adamatis is someone who's gonna be very excited for this question. Um, <laughs> so it seems like no matter what, Lars Eller is penciled into the center spot in the third line. Absolutely. Kind of, yeah, kind of but it seems like there's two two players for or three players for two spots between Richard Ponick, Daniel Sprong, and Connor Shearer. Do you mm-hmm. think that it, does any one of them have the inner track to making that line? And does it really matter because like maybe this is just going to get changed after two games anyway?
1: Yeah, I was going to say, like, how much does it really matter? Because I do, <laughs> because I do think I actually think it's going to change a lot. I, I feel like Laviolette might be a person that will go in and out from guys like he kind of talked about it being a performance team where whoever performs well is going to play. So that kind of signals to me that if someone's having a good couple of games, they'll, he'll stick with him. But if they have a couple of bad games, maybe they'll switch to another guy. But I definitely thought early on in the season, you know, Sherry started um, at that spot over Daniel Sprong. So it was Sherry, Eller, Ponick on that line. Coaches seemed pretty confident in that. Um, but then these last couple of days after the scrimmage, Daniel Sprong has been up with the main group. He's been skating with Lars Eller. Today, you know, before practice, it was Lars Eller and Sprong out on the ice I've got to say like 15 minutes before practice even started, just you know, taking shots, working with each other, and they were the only ones out there. So it seems to me like now maybe the tides have shifted. Maybe Daniel Sprong has a little bit of an edge. I think I noticed him more in the scrimmage um Sunday than I did Sherry, just because Sprong was skating more with Eller and Ponick on that line. So I would say it's it's a pretty tight competition. I'm not even sure if Flaviolette knows exactly which way he wants to go, but it seems like both of those guys are going to be on the active roster, you know, on opening night on Thursday. So it, it might be a game time thing. We might not know officially, but I would think those both of them are going to be used this season for sure.
0: Yeah. And uh, I guess uh, speaking of kind of uncertainty, one thing I'm I'm really curious about, and this is obviously going to get magnified with the shortened season is <laughs> kind of making roster changes and making uh kind of role and line changes uh because it, it seems like I, I you know I don't I don't really know how uh Laviolette's going to work but the Capitals just had different coaches that are tinkerers or maybe aren't. Do you got a kind of a feel on with Laviolette how quickly, you know, he's going to need to see results before he makes a change? Do you think there's going to be a lot of kind of changes throughout the year or is he going to try to keep as much consistency as he can?
1: Yeah, you know, it's been kind of a question that I've been having as well. But I think right off the bat, just seeing how Laviolette kind of operates, it seems like he wants to kind of keep that consistency for as long as possible, just because of, you know, time constraints and trying to get everyone on the same page. But I do think, again, like performance-based, you know, good players are going to play. So I think if a couple guys are having maybe some off nights, maybe it takes a couple nights of that for him to make a switch. Maybe it's not just one off the bat um but I do think we're going to kind of see some tinkering as we go further along into the season and also I think you know coaches and players have to know that getting off to a good start is probably going to be more important than ever this season just because you could find yourself in a hole very quickly yeah um 20 I mean, you games can find yourself out of the playoffs like, <laughs> like in
0: like two three weeks it's just that simple <laughs> correct
1: yeah so I'm not sure you know if Laviolette's going to say okay we're going to have to stick with these guys all the way through because I feel like these are the core, or if we can kind of tinker around a little bit, but I do think there's some sense of urgency just right off the bat of, we need to make sure our lineups are good, they're set, and we feel confident, and then, you know, before we start tinkering around and messing with it up, you know, too early.
0: Yeah, and I, I guess I, I kind of want to conclude the, the pure roster question by asking a little bit about taxi squads and Connor McMichael. And because I know, uh, I think Connor McMichael recently exited COVID protocol or something like that. I know he was in quarantine before. What do you think? How do you think the Caps are going to use the taxi squad? And do you see a role for Connor McMichael this year?
1: Yeah, you know, I think I think I do see a role with Connor McMichael on the taxi squad. Um, I'm not sure exactly, you know, if he will make his NHL debut this season. Or if you just going to be a taxi squad guy, maybe he actually goes to Hershey because they want him to, you know, actually get some real games in um, if he can't go back. Um, So I think it'll be really interesting just to see how they work with him. But I think, you know, the first good positive step, right, for the Capitals is that they brought him to Washington um, in the first place, right? (laughs) So clearly... (laughs) They didn't bring him to he Washington. He well up in
0: juniors to where they <laughs> right. were like, okay, yeah, you're here.
1: <laughs> right, okay, like, let's get you here. And, like, yeah. that signals to me a taxi squad guy. Um, You know, why bring him all the way out here if you he didn't? But, yeah, I think for him, you know, right now he's still in quarantine. He's not going to be able to practice with the team before they leave to Buffalo. So, you know, I think it's going to kind of take a couple days here just to see where he's at, um, to get him, you know, back acclimated, you know, with the team up to the systems. Um, if he, you know, remains on the taxi squad, then he'll be available to the team. But I think still a lot of uncertainty there with what they want to do with him. So it should be interesting moving forward.
0: Yeah. And I guess, I guess I kind of want to conclude by asking your thoughts about, so Dom LeCision wrote, for the Athletic, wrote kind of an interesting piece about the Capitals that I think has a lot of people talking around here. And one of the things that was interesting to me that he wrote about was, kind of the big question of whether the cap superstars can still be elite enough to carry them to where they want to go. As so I guess kind of, do you think the capitals, like superstars feel that kind of pressure? And do you think that they, I guess, are they still superstarry enough to lead them <laughs> where they want to go?
1: It's kind of funny because I think a couple of days, maybe before Dom's article came out, I think Nicholas Backstrom was asked about the window. Um, oh, I'm sure tournament. he loves those
0: questions <laughs> yeah and he, he
1: basically said something to the extent of like I don't like talking about the window or like I hate the window or something <laughs> like that and I just like I think it's so funny because these guys feel like you know they've won out they were the core they won a cup you know in 2018 and they're still here Um yeah. you have Alex Ovechkin who didn't slow down last year I think a lot of people probably doubted it from the beginning of okay, like, can he actually reach Gretzky? Because, like, could he actually score 50 goals again last year? And, you know, he got really close. He broke a bunch of records. He hit 700. He, I think, it was four hat tricks last season, um, a couple in a row, I think. Yep. So <laughs> I think, I just think overall it's kind of hard to bet against, you know, a, the Capitals veteran group with a backstrom with the Ovechkin. I think maybe safe to say you have more question marks with uh, Kuznetsov. Um, someone who's you know been up and down and maybe where is that actually going to end up this year? But in terms of, I think, superstar talent, I mean, I think they're here for a reason. You have Alex Ovechkin, who's going to sign an extension for a reason. You have a Nicholas Backstrom who signed an extension for a good amount of money you know, last year by himself that he negotiated. So I think the team feels confident in that and it's their team moving forward. So overall, I don't think they're any less superstar this year <laughs> than they are last year um that we're gonna see and I think it's just gonna be a crazy season overall so it's gonna be I don't know how people are even trying to predict goal outputs or how things are gonna go oh, uh, <laughs> but I I think you know the pace of play is gonna be interesting and I think Alex Ovech is probably gonna hit it off right off the bat
0: yeah 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 all right well uh with uh with uh, the dog noise in the background. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I will, uh, I will. I will let you attend to the to the dog. Uh, Samantha, uh, this has been great as always. Uh, next time you come on, it's going to be your fifth appearance. I'll kind of come up with something exciting. I don't know. Uh, but uh, I, uh, where can where can people find your uh, your stuff on Twitter and everything like that?
1: Yeah, I'm always on Twitter at Samantha J. Pell. You haven't been um, banned
0: yet? That's good.
1: I haven't I haven't been banned yet. <laughs> That's a green check mark for me. No. There you um, go. But, yeah, definitely everything's always on there. WashingtonPost.com. Um, yeah, I guess stay tuned for you know, features headed before the season, all that good stuff. But you got anything yeah. you got
0: anything exciting you're working
1: on? Um I am doing a Samsonov feature before the season. A little look in on him and all of that, how the organization kind of feels about them. So overall, yeah, that's that's about it.
0: There you go. That's exciting. And uh, you can find me at Y underscore JR. You can find the show at, at J Drink Radio. If you like the show, please rate, write, subscribe, review, do all of those things. And uh, actually tomorrow, believe it or not, we are going to be having a uh, blogger panel on the Capitals with me, Adam, and JP. So uh, stay tuned for that as well. And uh, Samantha, it was such a pleasure having you on. Uh, look forward to having you on again soon.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much.